0: So glad you're here today. The Lord is going to do uh, some more good stuff, I believe. I don't think that He's ever done when we think He's done. Like, oh, I've had enough. I can't, I can't handle anymore. I think the Lord always has more for us. If you're not part of a revival group, I encourage you to jump into a revival group because you're going to hear us talk about revival more and more and more in this house because we feel that God has called us as a house to be a place of revival. Do not judge by what you see with your eyes or what you hear with your ears right now. (laughs) There's a, how many have ever been to the ocean and have you watched the the tide ebb and flow, right? And how many have ever even bodyboarded or surfed or any of that kind of stuff? There's a rhythm to the waves, am I right? And how many know that before that really big wave comes and they come in cycles, there's a withdrawing of the water back. It feels like it's almost, you watch the water, it almost makes you dizzy when you watch it. It withdraws, and it builds and builds and builds, and then it turns into, and it crests. And I feel like there's something like that going on for our church right now. That, like, if we looked around, you're like, well, I don't know, but I feel the Lord's withdrawing this thing, almost like pulling an arrow back to release it, kind of, we've heard that metaphor, too. Um, and so I just say there, there is revival that's available to us, and I want to talk about revival today. Um, And we're probably going to talk about revival every Sunday from now on. It's going to be mentioned. It's going to be sung about. We're going to tell a testimony. We're going to share a historical story from a revival. We're going to ask Jesus for revival. We're going to cry out for it. We're going to fast for it. We're going to make room for it. Amen. And we'll talk about what that means today. So if you want to open your Bible to Acts 3, that's where we're going to start out. So Acts chapter 3. And I just want to pray, Lord, thank you, Jesus that like you said, if we would gather uh, two or three of us in your name, that you would be there. And I love how Shagoon opened up how he said, you're not just here because you exist. You're here intentionally. You purpose to be here. You purpose to reveal yourself, not just because you're here." not just because you exist and you're omnipresent, but because you choose to reveal yourself to us. And I thank you for that. And I ask that you would reveal yourself to us through your word today, that you would stir up our hunger, stir up our capacity for revival in our hearts. I ask Jesus that you would even stir up discontentment in our hearts. Where the hymn of the church would become our cry again. You can have all this world, just give me Jesus. And I ask that you would begin that hunger in us and continue that hunger in us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Acts chapter three, there's a really, I love Acts, at the book of Acts because it's not, it's not, um, it's not just a storytelling time. It's, it's him revealing what's possible when people surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what ordinary men can do And ordinary women can do when they surrender to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's what Jesus did because the Holy Spirit rested upon him. Like, like yes, Jesus was God, but Jesus was in submission to the Father. And he was in submission to the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he did these things under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I need to leave so that you can have the same spirit in you that raised me from the dead. You need to have this. And so when the the, the apostles waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 and 2, and they received this infilling of the Holy Spirit, the second encounter. The first encounter happens at salvation. When you say, Yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says here even that they make their home in us. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit come and live inside of us. So we have the Holy Spirit when we're saved. That's the salvation. He's in us for us, it's for our benefit. But then there's a second encounter of the infilling of the Holy Spirit where He comes upon us in power. It's the fire. The first is the water, the second is the fire. And we need both encounters with the Holy Spirit to have a fulfilled and complete Christian walk. Because we cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. How would we even find truth without him? How would we know what to do if the Holy Spirit didn't counsel us? Amen? And so Acts is not just this great story of of these cool, mighty men and women of God. This is what's available to us if we'll say, I want that. I want to do what those guys did. I want to live the adventure that they lived. Can you imagine every day waking up as a disciple of Jesus and then as an apostle with the Holy Spirit upon you? Every day was an adventure. You never knew what was going to happen. I bet when they were disciples, they were like, what's Jesus going to do today? Is he going to walk on water? Is he going to calm a storm? Is he going to raise the dead? Is, is he going to tell us to break bread again and multiply it, to feed thousands of people? What's Jesus going to I bet they woke up every day in awe and wonder what adventure they were going on for the day. And that didn't go away when Jesus left. Now the Holy Spirit's on them, and I bet they woke up every day. What adventure are we going on today? What are we doing today? And this is what happened to Peter and John. They woke up one day going, we're going on an adventure. We're going to the temple. This is Acts 3 verse 1. It says, and Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. And a certain man who was lame from his mother womb was carried. And they laid him at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. And he was there to beg for money to ask for alms. And when Peter and John were going into the temple, he asked them for for money. He fixed his eyes on him with Peter and John, and and Peter and John said, look at us. So he was expecting money, but they were on an adventure. They were now fishers of men. Come on. And they said, look at us. And he looked. Like, he's probably thinking, how much are they going to give me? Like, he's counting in his head what he's already received today, what he needs to make it, right? He's expecting that. And he looks at them. And he gave them his attention, ready to receive from them. And Peter said, we don't have any silver or gold. Well, <laughs> immediately he's like, all right, I, I don't know if I want to continue this encounter. But Peter kept going. He says, but we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is just me adding this. This is not there. You can see that. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we're on an adventure. So no, we don't have silver and gold, but we have something better. And what we received, oh. We give to you. What, did, what, did, what does the Bible say? Freely you received, freely give. They're living this out in Acts chapter 3. We don't have silver and gold, but we do have something that's better, and we're going to give that to you. And they said to him, In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Woo, come on. An adventure. Why were they on an adventure? Because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to live an adventurous life. And he took them by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately what happened? His feet were strengthened. Come on, his ankles, his bones received strength. And he leaped up. He didn't just slowly start to walk. The guy leaps to his feet, right? He stood up and he walked. And then he entered into the temple with him, which never happened in his life. Come on! He was never allowed to go into that place. It was a holy place. And the moment he uh, he gets up, he said, "I'm going with y'all on an adventure." And he goes into the temple, and he's not just walking in. Like I don't. This is a terrible term, but he's pimp walking in. Like, hey, what's up, buddy? Look at me. <laughs> he is excited. He's strutting as he walks into that place. He's walking, he's leaping, and not only that, he's doing something else. He's giving praise to God. For his whole life, this man has laid and he's been, he's, he's had to have other people meet his responsibilities. And in a moment, because some people who were empowered by the Holy Spirit were on an adventure. Even going to the temple that they did every day was an adventure because the Holy Spirit was in them. I want to tell you right now, you go to work every Monday morning. It doesn't just have to be going to work and punching a clock. You, you can make it an adventure if you want to. That drive to work every day, fighting the traffic, figuring out the best route that takes the least amount of time or causes you to say the least amount of curse words, right? Doing that every day doesn't have to be the monotonous thing. It has to be, it can be an adventure if we want it to be. And he gets up and he's walking and praising God. And everyone knew, everyone knew who the man was because they passed by him every day to go Offer worship. They passed by him every single day. Maybe they gave money to him every time. Maybe they were nice and sweet, but something was different with Peter and John. They were empowered to be adventurous and to do the impossible. And everyone, into verse 10, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Everyone was filled with awe and wonder at what had happened. And then it goes on down, and, and, and Peter was a preacher. He, he saw a crowd, and he's like, all right, it's time for a sermon. And he starts preaching to them, and he, and he lays into all the, the, the religious people. And he's like, you guys crucified Jesus. You guys didn't think he was the Lamb of God, but he was, and he proved it by resurrecting from the dead. And now, you know, the thing we did here, it wasn't because of us. We're not something special. They even say this, don't look at us with amazement like we're special, But it's Jesus in us. It's the power of the resurrected Jesus that that sends us on these adventures. I'm paraphrasing. And he's telling them, like, you can have this. And he tells them, here's how you can have it. Verse 19. He says, repent. We all know, we know by now, we've heard it so many times. The word repent means to change the way you think to get a new perspective, to get new eyes, to turn to the Lord. He says, if you will repent, then you will be converted. That word converted also means transformed. If you will repent, you will be transformed into someone else. If you will repent and change the way you think, then you will be converted into something else and your sins will be blotted out. Come on. We, had a, we were listening to a song on the way here today and, and Josiah was like, why does it say our sins were scarlet? Like, what does that mean? I was like, well, it's, it's scripture. Like, though our sins are scarlet, they, be, they will be blotted out. They will be white as snow as if they weren't there. And that's what he's telling them. Yeah, you may have sin. You, you may have crucified the, the Savior Jesus Christ, but you didn't know what you were doing because you were blind. But now you can see. And here's all you have to do to see. Repent. Change your thinking and you'll see something differently. And the Lord's saying that to us today. If we'll change our thinking about our lives, we'll see something different happen. If we'll change the way we do life, if we'll change the way we walk through life and open our eyes to see that it's possible that today could be an adventure instead of a drudge. The Lord could put us on an assignment today. He could, we could run into someone, maybe we've seen hundreds of times, or we could run into a perfect stranger, and the Lord could have, have set up an encounter for us that day. That's the life of a Christian. It's supposed to be the way it is. And he says, your sins will be blotted out, and then here's, here's the part I wanted to land on. That times of refreshing, everyone say Refreshing. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I like that he didn't just say that times of refreshing will come. Because it kind of, I read, I like to read between the lines sometimes and think, well, if he says specifically that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, then maybe there are other types of refreshing that can come. But they don't add up to or compare to the refreshing that comes from the Lord, so if I will change the way I think, not only will my sins be blotted out, but the refreshing that I've experienced in my life from other things, not, all, not necessarily sinful things, but the refreshing that I've had in life that was temporary can now be refreshing from the Lord, from his presence that doesn't go away. And I can live in a place of perpetual refreshing. <sighs> I need a vacation. That's refreshing. It's good to have a vacation. You need a vacation. You need to take a day off. You need to rest. All those, thi- all those refreshings are good for us, but then we go back to work after the vacation. And, and usually we have to do so much prepping for the vacation. That's stressful. And then you get home and you're like, oh, well, I gotta hurry back into my routine, and that's stressful. So the refreshing is like short. It's like a little bit of drink of water. I just a little. And then it's gone. But he's saying, no, oh, you can have times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And he doesn't leave you. Why, why do I make that connection? Because he said his presence will come upon you and he will stay. <sighs> All they had known was the presence of the Lord comes upon people in power. They do amazing stuff, and then he leaves them, and then they're the same old guy. But he's saying if you'll repent, if you'll change your thinking, your perspective on life, your mistakes will be blotted out, your sins, your transgressions will be blotted out, and new times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord, and he doesn't leave you. Do you know what that word refreshing literally means? It's anapsuxis. I'm so awesome. I'm like a Greek scholar, man. But I do. it says this. It means a recovery of your breath. But it's not speaking of your breath. It's speaking of his breath. The ruach. Oh, the breath of God. And it actually even says it means revival. In other words... Times of revival will come to you from the Lord, from the presence of the Lord. And he, and what he's reviving means to bring back to life. How did Jesus raise the first Adam to life? He breathed into him. He revived him. And he's saying, if you'll repent, if you'll change your thinking, your sins will be blotted out. And God himself will breathe his life into your lungs again and you will not die ever again. You will not grow weary again. (sighs) Because you will be revived. That's what revival means. When we say we wanna be a church of revival, we wanna be a place where people can experience the presence of God, turn to him, and then be revived. Because once we're revived, it affects every area of our life. You know, one of the, I don't know. (laughs) One of the sad things when we lose people in life is that the things that they did, the things, their personality, all the stuff that came from their life source is like, it's now a memory. We don't get any fresh experiences. And it's painful. It's painful. But when something that's dead comes back to life, all of the effects of their life come back to. So when we get a church filled with people that were dead, that have now come back to life, now think of the spider web of effect. Everywhere they go, they re- release their life, their presence, their personality, their giftings. All of it is now bought, brought back to life, and the web is no longer cut off. It is now continuing. And that's how revivals happen. People come alive and it spreads to other people. It's not a revival if only one person comes back to life. Because Jesus said, these things that I do, you will do and even greater things. So if Jesus resurrects things, then we're supposed to resurrect things. So it is not possible to have a one-woman revival, a one-man revival. It's only a revival if it spreads. (laughs) I love the language here from the season we've come out of where there is a a sickness that takes people's breath. I think it's evil. I think there's an evil attached to COVID. I don't think it's just a virus. I think it's demonic. This is my personal opinions. I cannot prove any of this it's just how I feel about it. Because there's a voice attached to it. People that I know that have experienced COVID have told me there was a voice that came with it. And if a voice comes with it, then it's it's empowered by the demonic. It's evil. And it's here to take away people's breath. But Jesus said, if we will repent, we'll get a recovery of our breath. I hear all kinds of terrible reports about the church all over. Attendance is down since COVID, attendance is down. People haven't come back, people are still doing this the church is dying stop it we've got to repent the <laughs> repentance has to start with believers the bible says repentance starts at the house of the lord if we will repent if my people 2nd chronicles 7:14 if my people not those sinners If my people who are called by my name will do what? Humble themselves. Pray. Seek my face. Turn. That's repentance. Turn from their wicked ways. Then what will he do? I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal the whole land. This is available to us. This is what it means to be a revival church. I turn. I humble myself. I pray, not just so that I can be alive, but so that every place that my foot touches can come alive. If I could do anything today, I would want to stir you up into thinking, I live for more than just me and my family. I'm here I have more value to the world than just to my wife and my kids. The giftings that God's put inside of me are not just for a few people. And I don't have the choice to turn them on and turn them off. I don't get to just be a dad on a sideline at a soccer game. I'm a pastor. I don't get to turn it off. Amen? I don't get to turn it off when I'm in my bubble of my car. I live for other people's benefit. I am supposed to bring life and resurrect dead things. I'm supposed to call dead things back to life. I'm supposed to call things that are not as though they are because I am a Christian. The the first people that were called Christians weren't called Christians because they joined a doctrinal program or they joined a church. They were called Christians because they acted just like Jesus. So what is revival? I don't even know this man, but it's a great quote. I'll tell you right now, his name is Vance Havner. No idea. But listen to what he says revival is. Revival, what we call revival is simply New Testament Christianity. It's the saints going back to normal. I love that because I was thinking about it in our context, like it'll never go back to normal. Things will never go back to normal. No, we're supposed to go back to normal so that we can bring things back to normal. We are, the church. We're waiting for a a government to say, you can go back to normal. No, 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 no. We will let you know when you can go back to normal because we're going to release it. It's starting here. We're going to start a movement. We're going to be part of a revival that is going to begin to advise the nations Do you believe this? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is Isaiah 60. It says, yeah, there will be darkness, there will be this kind of stuff, but then there will be the great rising upon you, and nations and kingdoms will come to the greatness of your rising. The church needs to stand up now and say, it's time for things to go back to normal. And I don't mean normal life before COVID, I mean, normal life where Jesus is king. It should affect our, our our the place around us. It should affect the government. It should affect our schools. It should affect every part of our life because we're alive. And if we're alive, then we should bring things back to life. Amen. I long for revival. Like, I really do. Like I, I, I want to. <laughs> I want to help people discover that God is good and that he's a good father. And if they'll just believe that Jesus is the son of God, they can come alive. Amen? What we call revival is simply New Testament Christianity. It's the saints going back to normal. God, may we become saints going back to normal. I want to close out with a thought that I can probably only start, probably finish more of it later, But I have prayed many prayers recently. Like, Lord, I want to see signs and wonders. Now, don't raise your hand, because the Lord slapped me by asking this question. So, how many of you have asked the same question? I want to see signs. And, when, when am I going to see some signs and wonders? I want to see them. I want, I want to see them so that my kids can believe that you can do this stuff. I pray these, they sound really righteous prayers. And the Lord said, only Pharisees, ask to see signs. Oh, I was like, what do you mean? Like, we're supposed to see signs and wonders. He says, exactly. You're supposed to do the signs and wonders so that others can see the signs and wonders. But you're not supposed to ask me for a sign. I was like, okay, that's, thank you. Because <laughs> then I I remember the verses say, a wicked generation and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and they won't be given one, except for Noah. That was a long time ago. (laughs) The Pharisees wanted Jesus to perform a miracle for them. That's in Matthew 18. But in the chapter right before, here's all the signs they saw. Jesus healed a demon-possessed girl. Not only that, Jesus was not going to heal her and really could have offended her mother by, I wasn't sent to you people. Why are you asking me for something? You don't have a right to ask for this. And she said to Jesus, but even dogs get crumbs from the master's table. And what did Jesus say of her? I have never seen that kind of faith before. And so he heals her. So, th- All these people in chapter 18 just saw Jesus do that. He heals a demon possessed girl. He healed many blind people, lame people, mute people, maimed people, all in this whole chapter 17. Then he feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few fish, and there were seven baskets full left over. Immediately after all of that stuff happened is when the Pharisees came and said, Hey, can you show us a sign? Like, are you kidding me? And the Lord just began to speak to me through this. And I'm I'm summarizing it. You're supposed to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You're not supposed to ask me for signs. You are supposed to be a sign. He said in Matthew 16, and these signs will follow you who believe. He says, not only will you do the works I've done, but even greater works in John 14. What's the point? I want to turn to the Lord so that all my sin can be blotted out and that a time of refreshing and reviving can come back and never leave and that I can help other people come alive and that I can do the things that Jesus did because I live for the benefit of other people. He's in me for me, but he's on me for other people. And I want our church to be a revival church. All the stuff that comes with that, I want it. Revivals are messy. Uh, that's fine. I want some messes. We were talk, we were telling some funny testimony or stories of back in the old times where we'd have people that just got saved come up and grab the mic and give a testimony and drop some cuss words in the middle of the testimony. I was like, I would love to have Sundays like that again. <laughs> like it's so refreshing. People just turn to the Lord and they don't know how to explain it except for, holy, <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> you know, I like we. it's messy, but it's life. It's people coming back alive. I want to see it. So guess what? Now I got to be it. I got I to make it happen. Like, oh, well, I can't make it happen. Absolutely, I cannot make it happen. But there is a Holy Spirit who is sitting on me. Living in me and resting on me and empowering me to do what, and he commanded me. He didn't just say, hey, if you feel like it, if you feel really spiritual, go heal the sick. No, he says, go and heal the sick. And he actually even said it like this, and as you go, as you live your life, not as you go to church, as you live your life, heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. So we're going to talk about revival every week. Mandy had no idea we were talking about that, and we prayed for people to be revived. I love that. That's it. Come alive. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If we believe in him, even though we are dead, we will live. Amen? Who wants some time of refreshing to come? Stand up. We're going to pray. We're going to learn how to pray again as a church. We can't have revival without prayer. That'll be a whole topic coming up. Hmm. Hmm. Jesus. So we're going to follow his uh, his command: repent. Our sins will be blotted out. Times of refreshing will come. So you can't repent. I can't repent from something I'm not aware of. It's not repentance if I say, oh, God, I repent of all the things that I didn't even know I did wrong. That's not repentance. I can only repent about the things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to me that grieve his heart. That's all I'm responsible to repent for. When it becomes aware to me, I'm responsible to repent. If I'm not aware of it, he'll reveal it if he needs to, when he needs to. Does that make sense? So I know I've prayed that prayer so many times and I thought it was righteous and, and holy. Like, oh, forgive me for all the things that I did and things I didn't even know. No, I can only repent for what I'm aware of. Because repentance means I have to change my thinking. And if I didn't know I did it, how can I change the way I think about it? So if something comes to your mind right now, the Holy Spirit reveals, like, man, I'm aware of that thing, repent for that thing. Whatever it is, it may be one thing, it may be five, it doesn't matter, we've all got something that the Lord's working on in us, right? So we're going to repent, we're going to ask Him to change our minds, Give me your mind about this thing. Hmm. Now, part of repentance is believing a new truth. So ask Him, what's the truth that I need to believe right now? Now come into agreement with that truth. I agree with your truth, Jesus. That is the right way to think about that thing. <laughs> and now we're going to receive from him. Our sins are blotted out right now when we repent. <laughs> So I want want you to practice, and I'm going to practice what it feels like to be a not guilty person. I want you to feel that feeling right now, as if you were in a court and the judge said not guilty, all charges dropped. How would you feel? You need to feel that right now, because he did. He just wiped it all away, because we simply turned to him. (laughs) We're free women and men. All charges dropped. No cases pending. The statute of limitations has run out. (sighs) (laughs) And then he says, times of refreshing will come from his presence. So now we're going to ask him to come. Holy Spirit, come and refresh us. Yeah. Some of us our, our love tank has been low. Fill us perpetually. <laughs> Fill our tanks with your presence, with your refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> Refresh us, revive us. Thank you, yeah. Times are refreshing from the presence of the Lord. out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. We ask that you would do that now. Rivers of life, springs of life in us. Times of refreshing, come on. Revive us and keep reviving us. Thank you, Jesus. And there's this proverb, it's Proverbs 11:25, and it says, a generous soul will be made rich and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So now that we've been refreshed and revived, now we go and we revive others. And that's how our love tank gets refilled. As we refresh others, we're refreshed. As we give away what we have, we get more. And that's the way we're going to live because he's in us for us. He's on us for others. And I'm, I want to close in prayer. If you need prayer for anything specific, we want to invite you to the front. But I want to, I want to pray this specific prayer that as we go, he would send us on an adventure. I I had a crazy dream the other night and in the dream, there was a specific line that he says that, that he was sending us on an adventure and it was all about a revival adventure. He said it was a revival adventure, exact words in the dream revival adventure. And so we're going to all pray that in, in, in unity. Okay that God would send us on an adventure. God, we ask you, yeah, come on. We ask you to send us on an adventure, a revival adventure, where we're being revived constantly and we revive others constantly. <laughs> that it's not just a one woman, a two woman, a three woman thing, a four man thing. It's all of us. That we all come alive. Come on. Hmm. I pray, God, that you would allow us and cause us to wake up in the morning with adventure on our mind. (laughs) Change the way we view our lives. Convert it into an adventure, a revival adventure. Would you say that, God, convert my life into a revival adventure in Jesus' name? Yes, Lord. Why don't you just bless someone next to you as we close it out. If you want prayer, we'll be here at the front, but pray for someone close to you. A revival adventure. We release a revival adventure in you. Well, you're alive and on fire. Come on. Thank you, Jesus.